Hello, you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. And it is your boy, Trav. We are Oscar Grouches, and welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast Thursday show, Thursday, where we take a look at the oeuvre of a one knower of cinema and perennial Oscar bridesmaid, Mr. Martin Scorsese. And what are we watching this week, Zach? We're watching Bringing Out the Dead, which is a movie where Nicolas Cage looks progressively worse as his work as an ambulance driver literally brings out the dead bodies and figuratively brings out the dead in his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this everybody's first time seeing this film? It is. No. No for me, Zach. Do you remember your first time seeing it? Oh, gosh. I was going to bring up the exact date here real quick. It's my second time watching. Uh, my first time uh, was in 2020, um, early pandemic watching. Also, mm. you know, before we were doing this podcast, and I was trying to fill in my Scorsese blank spots. Uh, as for me, uh, the legendary uh, video store that I went to got in, started a DVD section. And round about late 99, early 2000. And it was a very small section. It was probably about four foot wide and like shelves on either side of the section. Like it just kind of stood in the front. Like you walked in, it was directly to the right. I could picture it. And it was just a little rack. (laughs) I had two sides to it and they had a very small DVD section. Uh, because it really hadn't started taking off very well until, you know, a couple years later. Um, I was going to say, uh, you might have a special note later about this movie. Maybe you already know something, or maybe you were saving it for a special note. Oh, 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 yes. Uh, there, That is a fun note, and we'll, we'll keep okay. that for a second. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I 2000, since uh, we have... Discussed my birthday is in February uh, in 2000. I got my first DVD player mm-hmm. and that bright red box was uh, sitting. All the DVDs were in alphabetical order. Like they didn't do it in drama and action or anything. They were just all in alphabetical order. Oh, Cause that's yeah. how few of them they had. Bringing out the dead was right there on the top shelf. Bright red box said Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader on it. And you know, I had to watch it. <laughs> awesome. So, so I watched this probably pretty soon after it came out on the DVD. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that red cover with the like the white uh, hospital cross or the health cross. My, I've got the copy that's got Nicholas Cage's big head looking down. <laughs> not, not quite as interesting artwork. I never seen yeah. that one, so sounds funky. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the side of his head, like still like side profile, looking sad. Yeah. Um. This movie bombed at the box office and got no Oscar nominations. Uh, I mean, does this look like a movie that would be successful in the box office? It's a very niche film. It is a very niche film. Yeah. I don't I don't think it deserved to bomb though. No. I'm just not shocked that it bombed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very mm-hmm. uh a personal movie for Marty, based on what I've read. He he talked about going through a lot of, you know, losing his parents and all the tough things he'd been through in the 90s. And I don't think, maybe he didn't care about this one bombing so much as he had with other ones. Just yeah, he had I, some big success. And Well, I think he's emotionally invested in this film. I, I don't think he did this one, like, quote-unquote, for the audiences. Right. Right. Um, 
but it should have found an audience. Yeah. Well, it, it did, sir. Right here on this podcast. Right here on this <laughs> podcast. All right. Well, yeah. uh, no breakdown means we're just jumping right into it. What are our thoughts on bringing out the dead? My thoughts is that Nicolas Cage has a weird career. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is, this. is just a wild guy. He's yeah. a wild guy. And we're not going to, you know, call him Francis Ford Coppola's nephew every time because that'll it's, take too long. Yeah, we're we're just going to yeah, it's going to make this episode tedious. So, let's get those out of the way. Nicholas Francis Ford Coppola's nephew Nicholas Cage, uh who uh Marty's good friend Brian De Palma had just worked with on uh Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh had told Marty that he should really work with Nicholas Cage. Yeah. And so he's 4 years off of his best actor win. Mhm. So, so Martin had been looking for the project and he decided this was the one. And I, I think Cage's inner manic energy, just do this film a world of wonders. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know a whole lot about the production of the film, but the frenetic energy of the movie really fits Nicholas Cage's style of acting. Like it's a, it's a good match. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. quick zipping, uh, scenes of the ambulance through the streets, the fast edits and everything. It's just, it, it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's an uncomfortable, another uncomfortable movie. We talked about yesterday, American beauty. This one's uncomfortable for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. You're dealing a lot with, I don't think there's anybody who really has, well, okay. Ving Rhames character is about the only one who has a, a, a sunny outlook on anything in this movie. Yeah, I just, and that I love that, this guy. Yeah, and that almost feels a little, a little like a put on. Uh huh. Like he's he's keeping himself positive so that he doesn't go insane himself. <laughs> Probably, yeah. You a know what? Bit of that was that Trump? You know what I felt watching this movie was I felt like this was the prequel to two. Now I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. So it's like he started as an ambulance driver, went to the fire department, you know what I mean, and worked his way up. And now, you know. I unfortunately don't know what you mean. I've never seen that movie either. Uh, well, he he's in the movie as a, a an actual... They're pretending to be gay, and he's actually gay. And there's oh, okay. a really funny shower scene where he's singing in the shower. Uh, butt ass naked and he drops the soap and <laughs> he's just so awesome in everything that he's in he can do it all so uh, it was just funny to watch this and see him kind of in the same field <laughs> as he was as now i pronounce you chuck and larry so the rescue worker field yeah <laughs> I, was he like boisterous and uh uh over the top <laughs> yeah very <laughs> You kind of have to cool. be in the in a Happy Madison production. Yeah, yeah. I I I do love his energy though. He is him flirting with a uh, Queen Latifah as the dispatcher. And it's so good doing yeah. the the sermon with their. With I'd their, be banging. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he gets to deliver the uh, the live twin of the two. Yeah. Oh, Twins. God. Oh, God. It's so good. He's so fun in this movie. You know what fucked me up the most about this movie? Was goddamn Mark Anthony. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's that so good. threw me through a loop. <laughs> Z- 
just unrecognizable. Yeah. Insanely unrecognizable. Until you yeah. know that it's Mark Anthony, and you're like, yeah, that's fucking Mark Anthony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weird times, man. Yeah. D- how did that come to be? This is a weird <laughs> cast of people. So what's it called? It how- it really feels like one of those, like, because Mark Anthony hadn't really hit it big as right, yeah. a singer yet. Yeah. So so he he's still working on that career and being a character actor at the same time. Like a lot of this feels just like a lot of, a lot of people are just been itching to work with Scorsese and they all just jump in this movie because he's, <laughs> he's just got the roles for him. Like right. this is the first time he works with John Goodman. Crazy. I think maybe the only time, like it's wild that John Goodman's not more of his films. And he's really like in a quarter of this film. Yeah, and he's so he, he just commands the screen Absolutely. as soon as he steps onto it. You forget how big John Goodman used to be. Mm-hmm. Like I forget because he's lost so much weight and he's so much older now. I forget he was a big boy back big in boy. the day. That uh, the scene where they're like first going to get dinner and uh-huh. and he's and he's just all, all of a sudden he's like, oh god, no, I had that last night. I can't, <laughs> I can't have it two nights in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Caitlin was watching it a little bit off and on with me, and that scene, I mean, I had my headphones on, she was doing something else, but even just watching him do that scene with the subtitles, she she started laughing. It was so good. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Love some John Goodman. I love everybody in this cast. Oh, Sizemore in this movie? Holy mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> God. My God. What? what? What a psychopath. <laughs> Complete psycho. <laughs> he's one of those guys, I wonder what he's like, because he's so good at playing creeps and Psychopaths, yeah. He's, he's apparently very close to being a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least he's, a, he's, he's had a lot of drug issues. Right. Yeah. yeah. I well, mean, we he got looks him. like it. <laughs> we got Scorsese teaming up with another Arquette girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Old Patricia. Putting in a... Which do you think that comes from him casting Nicolas Cage or? Hmm. I don't know because they're they're still married at this time. So yeah, they they certainly are. That that could be. I mean, we talked about um, Shakespeare in Love last week, and Ben Affleck got cast in that, so he could be around uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, who he was dating at the time. Hmm. Hmm. So I forgot they were married. Bro, but. who hasn't Ben Affleck been with, bro? What a, what a Hollywood stud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... <laughs> I love this movie so much. I, I like it a lot. I, I feel... Uh, you know, it, it, we'll get into the rankings and things. I don't think it has the prestige and the shine but it doesn't have to it's it's the movie that it needs to be it's made the way it needs to be i um i i like that everything in this movie goes towards uh the aesthetic choices and the themes hmm. like everything bleeds in together yeah like the simplest things like how um robert richardson just kind of opens up the gate a little bit on the camera and lets all the lights bleed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like every single light in this movie is just overexposed and bleeding all over the place. Yeah. And it, 
and it gives us this real like ethereal quality and i just love looking at it yeah i think a lot of that too kind of uh, puts us in the the mind frame of uh nicholas cage and uh you know it everything's so kind of dark and that kind of blurry at times and it's like <laughs> the the quicks and the shakes and some sometimes there's like little scenes where it's uh almost like a fast forward or you're skipping little things like yeah they're getting they're like cutting and, frames out and it's yeah. it's looking real like hectic and and chopped up um there yeah and the the way that the camera is it either always feels like it's moving in certain ways or is put in unnatural positions to kind of throw you off your balance mm-hmm. uh, when they they crash the one ambulance with Bing Rames yeah. <laughs> like R- right as they started drinking <laughs> yeah they they cut to the shot where it's looking at the camera the the ambulance from head on and the ambulance looks like it's sitting up, but as Nicholas Cage is getting out of the window, right, yeah, the yeah. camera moves sideways with him. Oh God. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a beautifully shot movie. I think the, it seems like the pecking order goes, Paul loves it. Zach really likes it. I just like it. But uh, no, I, I, I think, think you're right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is, so far, probably one of the most human films that we've gotten from Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I won't argue that. Um, I think uh, the one complaint I have about the movie is the whole kind of, even though I enjoy it, the Psy uh, storyline almost feels like tacked on. Yeah, I, that's but exactly how I felt. Like like, like we needed this big uh, additional conflict to rise up. But I think, it, you know, it also works as... Uh, cage getting somebody to rescue even if it's not like a total uh, innocent i mean it helps get him where he needs to be so yeah i had no interest in their love i, I don't know if you call it a love story but his pursuit of said woman uh just very uninteresting to me personally if it did feel tacked on like i just thought it was unnecessary so yeah, I, I just um, didn't do it for me. I I like it because it grounds him and it gives him a humanity. As we're watching him slowly lose his mind, he's trying to hang on to something. And while I don't feel like he's particularly trying to pursue her, yeah, she's just she's just his tether to her father, who he tries to save at the beginning and keeps going in and out of life yeah and i think they really you know more than i don't i don't know if he's pursuing her romantically even or if he's just like you know they've got that common bond everybody else around him seems like crazy almost and she's right seeing stuff the same way he is and and going through things like he is maybe not to the extremes but yeah so he he's bonding through that common humanity that they have and yeah. and I like that. Uh, yeah, because at no point did I read that as romantic. Yeah, yeah. The 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 red death and the size, uh, um, kind of chill drug dealing was a undertone to the film that I don't think was fully explored or fully realized in a way that it could have been because we like we never see the 
kids that are dealing. Maybe, maybe we don't need to. Maybe that's the point. Like it's the unseen evil or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, shout out to the late great um, Michael K. Williams. Yeah, that that scene hit me. You know, thinking about him in real life. And yeah. a, lot of, a lot of hard things going on in this movie. And but you said, like you said, there's a lot of humanity. There's a lot of really makes you think about what um, paramedics and and first responders go through and stuff. It's it. I I couldn't be. I don't have the the nerve to be a, a medical person. I I think I could uh, in the moment I could do what I need to do to help save a person. But I I don't know. I I would feel too much guilt um, over lost uh, people. I, I I would drive myself crazy with the I should have. I could have. What more could I have done? And and it takes a special kind of person to be able to do it. That's essentially where we're at with Nicolas Cage when we meet him in this yeah. film, talking yeah. about how saving lives, anytime that you save someone, it's kind of a drug and that's the hit. And yeah, uh, you know, and that's, that's why I, I think the red death and Psy work really well in this is kind of the antithesis of him where his drug is saving lives, where Psy's drug is taking lives mm. and the two of them that are able to converge in this moment of beauty as they're watching sparks shoot out over New York city and the, the towers are all lit up with the red, white and blue. Like it, they, they meet somewhere in the middle and I don't know, it's just yeah. kind of a beautiful moment to me. And I just really soaked it in. Soak it Good. in. Good. I love the music that's used in the movie. There's a lot of good music, you know, as it usually is with Scorsese, he's always cutting some good tracks. Mm hmm. Yeah, and and then Elmer Bernstein's music as well, mm-hmm. like the needle drops and the score, where it's not completely scored by the needle drops, like like Goodfellas is, right, right. So, um, like I mentioned, it's not necessarily polished or prestigious like some of other Scorsese works, and maybe uh, Thelma's editing isn't like her usual uh, style, but. I can't imagine how hard it was to edit this movie <laughs> the the way it is. So again, props to her once again for pulling together this completely kind of new style for this team of filmmakers. Yeah, I think I think it's all done intentionally. I just yeah. think it fits the vibe mm-hmm. of the movie to to be a little bit more gritty and mm-hmm. unpolished like we talked about. I just um when I look back at Scorsese's filmography in the 90s, it's just a weird uh, 10 years of movie making. You know, it's kind of all over the place. And it's not a bad thing at, yeah. by any stretch. It's no. just um, we go from Fellas to Age of Innocence to Casino to Kundun to bringing out the dead like he is he is swinging for a lot of fences <laughs> right and i respect it yeah yeah it's just that sometimes it's it's not always going to connect you know the same way as others connect and that's okay because you know he's just trying different things but that's why you know i just like this movie it's not bad by any stretch yeah i like it yeah and i don't think it's a movie i would say look at these three Scorsese movies. I don't think I would slide this one in there. So, I mean, 
I'm not going to say anything more than like, you know, we're going three decades, well, four decades yeah, um, into his career. And, and, you know, he's had this decade of experimentation and he's had some amazing classic films, but he's about to hit another, another dimension of his career. And it's really cool to look forward to what we're about to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, this, the two thousands is, a wild decade as well. That final shot too of him just laying on her on the bed as the lights just kind of explode around them. Yeah, and then they're and they're like a bird tripping. Yeah, it's like they finally found their peace. Yeah, and he gets to rest, and I I didn't realize how hard that shot hit me until Leanna. Uh, watched pretty much all this movie but had to step away for like the last like three minutes because she got a phone call and she asked me how it ended and i started explaining that shot to her and then started weeping <laughs> definitely didn't hit me like that i wish it would have oh god it got it got me so hard and i but was- i again i literally gave a shit less about their uh relationship oh it will. it's so. so it's such a strong part of this film i um you know, I didn't. Uh, I got more of a peaceful feeling. I don't know if you're weeping out of peace, like it like just made me very, kind of- very happy. Oh, okay, good. Like yeah. that, that this man who whose whose occupation is to save human lives, who wasn't able to do that, and the one human that he was really holding out to save he comes to peace with that man's death. Yeah. And then has to relay that information to his daughter and the two of them find peace together in that moment. Little does she know that, uh, he killed him though. (laughs) But I, I think even by like, by the time he sees her again, she's already made peace with the fact that her father is going to die. Oh yeah. Yeah. She says that, He's surprised. She's surprised he hung on this long. Yeah. All I'm saying is, the man was hearing him talk to him from. Yeah. You know, <laughs> tell, you know at, him to take all the money at out of the his end bank of the account. day. He's a crazy man. You know yeah. what I mean? And <laughs> at the end of the day, he still murdered this guy. So <laughs> well, I, it's just funny to me. I, you know, I'm just laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, we say murdered. I, I, I mostly think. Well, if I walked in the hospital and just yanked the plug off of somebody, I'm going to prison for murder. I Probably. mean, it just is what it is. I was going to say, you know, thematically, he unfairly keeps this man alive. <laughs> like, well, and they, that's, that's what they yeah. do in hospitals, though. Yeah. Unless you put in some sort of a written consent that if I'm not responsive in X amount of time, you yank that, you yank that motherfucker. Have either of you watched on my mind, the the live action short film nominated for live action short film this year? Not yet. It's on YouTube. I think I have a link to it in the, do I want to, because I'll tell you what, I try to watch the Netflix one about the homelessness in LA Mm-hmm. And 15 minutes, I turned that shit off, and I said, "I can't fucking do it. I'm good." Not because it was bad; it was, it was too much. I was like, "I know this is reality. I don't want to see it though." So I had to turn that shit off. <laughs> it's 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 rough. Uh, I think I think you might really enjoy it on my mind. It might get you though. And we'll get back to to the note that Zach teased earlier. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the last film ever released on Laserdisc. Yes. <laughs> ever? Ever. <laughs> so That's odd. insane. That's it's very such odd. A, such a weird note. <laughs> How does that even come to be where it's, is it just timing? Yeah, it's just the DVD market just started taking off in the in like 2000 and you know DVD players got cheaper and they started putting uh DVD players in like uh gateway computers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, they were just te- the technology was more available and the market so, started taking off. I've only over. seen one movie on laserdisc and that was Fern Gully. <laughs> wow. The the first copies of Monty Python and the Holy Grail and mm-hmm. Life of Brian that I owned, I got because a friend of my dad's recorded them from his laser discs. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching laser discs something in school once, but I don't remember what it was. Well, that's how I watched Fern Gully on laser disc was in school. And, and I was and like, any- laser disc. <laughs> I didn't have and that it- shit at the house. And anytime I hear Laserdisc, I always think of the movie SLC Punk. Mm. It looks like a silver record, but there's a movie on there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this was a good way for him to wrap up the decade, is what you're saying, Paul. Yeah, I I, feel... A little bit of humanity. Yeah, uh, something to look forward to in the new millennium and uh, being the last film ever released on Laserdisc. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and he's just got something going for it it might have bombed damn it but we got laser disc that's right so uh we'll move to our worsty judgments trav where's this sitting on your thursday's ranking yeah um like i said i liked it i didn't love it but i i like this movie uh would i watch it again yeah, probably not anytime soon. Uh, you know, Zach said this is only his second time watching it. You know, I don't know how many times you've actually seen it, Paul, but a couple. It, it's. I definitely don't think it's one I would be, you know, rushing back to put on again. But I still ranked it four stars. I still thought it was a gorgeous film. Um, it's his last full score with Elmer before he passes mm-hmm. and uh so i put it at my number eight spot right underneath the color of money and right above uh Kundun. nice zach where's this sitting Hi. for you um well i also gave it four stars um and i also have it at number eight so <laughs> and you and i both had Kundun last week at number eight and it just yeah. took the spot look at that correct <laughs> That is correct. So in between King and Comedy and Kundun, um, if if Kundun had uh, better acting, and again, I, I understand the reasoning yeah, of that, no, but that's I'd why like that more. It's the same thing for me. That's why I gave yeah. it the notch over it, because the acting. But yeah, four stars, number eight. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I love it. Paul wants some more of it. Oh, I do. So where do you have it? Um... I think this film is a capital M masterpiece. Ooh, wow. I think it is one of the finest examples of cinema. It should have been nominated for Best Picture. Wow. I, I definitely would have thrown out uh, American Beauty and everything I ranked under that. 
and put this in its place and only have three nominations that year. Oh. Um, I don't know that it's my favorite film in 1999, but I, I do think it's incredible. Uh, and I love it. And it's my number three. Number three. I have it right under the taxi driver and right above the last temptation of Christ. It's, a theme, it's like a thematic uh, sibling to taxi driver in a lot of ways. I mean, you it is have- very much mm-hmm. so. And I think that's, that's a lot of my into it mm-hmm. because I feel like, you know, so the film starts well, I should have said this and you get the little tags up front. It's like, this film takes place in New York in right. the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And like, we want, we want you to, to know that this is dirty, nasty New York, not, right. pu- not Giuliani <laughs> pushing the homeless out New York. And, and yeah, it's, it feels in every way, the, the little brother of taxi driver and, uh, also, I I have to assume that the title is a, a Monty Python reference, um, because there's even the part where they bring the guy into the the hospital, and they're like, "This man is dead," and he's like, "Well, he's not really dead." <laughs> I'm like, "This has to be a Monty Python reference," and yeah. it's so darkly funny. This movie's hilarious. <laughs> Oh yeah, this movie's super <laughs> hilarious. I mean, when the drug dealer was like hanging on the gate, the <laughs> railing of the just yeah, there's a lot of moments in here where I was I was laughing. They get Mr. him off o. the gate, they take him to the hospital, and he's still got it. He's still got the rail of getting out of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. Mar- again, Mark Anthony's character is wild, bruh. Yeah. Just, just wild. So wild. Should have called this movie Ambulance Driver. Ambulance Driver. Oh, we got another ambulance coming up here very oh, shortly. Oh, man. Michael Bay. <laughs> I'm so thrilled for this movie. It looks so weird. <laughs> it's just a, a concept of, you know, you think it's about people in an ambulance, but really it's about these robbers who hijack the ambulance. <laughs> and it's like, who presented the idea that we're going to rob a bank and they're going to get away, but they're going to take the fucking ambulance. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about the trailers for this film is that the whole movie takes place in Los Angeles and they're like ambulance. And then the LA and Hell, Los- yeah, and ambulance yes. becomes <laughs> Just the icing on the cake right there. What? (laughs) Oh, man. The only thing that would have made it better is if it turned into, like, the L.A. Dodgers hat. And it just (laughs) was the only only thing that made it better. And and then, like, put itself on the game's face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I'm so excited. All right. Trav, where can people find you on the <laughs> socials media? You can find me on the ZK Audio. At, uh, you can find me on the Instagram at ZK Audio. You can find me on the Twitter <laughs> at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd, ranking and rating movies like this. And uh, Zach, where are they going to find you at? You find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, House Havoc on TikTok. Letterboxd by searching my name, Mr. Workman. Ah, you can find me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, where I'm ranking 
everything I watch. And uh, I watched uh, Master on Amazon Prime this week. Yeah, that I'm, is, I'm, uh, that's on the list. That is a really interesting film about black trauma at white colleges. I highly recommend it. All right. Mm. Hey, Trev. Eh? Thanks a bunch, buddy. Hey, of course. We, we appreciate you producing our show. I have a question. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is a question. What are we watching next week? Next week, Marty is executive producing the movie You Can Count On Me. And you can rent it on Amazon, Fubo TV, Google, Hulu, Sling TV, Voodoo, and YouTube. Nice. Excellent. Hey, Trav. Mm. Thanks a bunch, buddy. Oh, of course. We appreciate you producing our show. I feel yeah. thanked when I'm uh, on a Hawaiian shirt. one day one day (laughs) Uh, we also like to thank chad ramsey from our uh for our most excellent theme song i am thrown off uh we would like to thank megan and jay bellevue for our beautiful artwork you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at oscars pod on facebook at the oscars to podcast don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. I don't have anything funny to say. Just give us five stars every day. Ooh, I like that. So, for Trav, Zach, and um, who didn't we talk about? We didn't talk about Ada Turturro, who I thought did a really good job in this. Yeah. Uh, John Turturro's sister. Yeah. Who would all go on to be on The Sopranos. Oh. But for her, we would like for you all to have a damn fine day.